0: Welcome to Bite-Size Battles. Land. My land. It's even in many countries' names. England. Deutschland. Thailand. And in the Persian language, the word "stan" means land too. So Afghanistan is the land of the Afghans. Or Borat's famous country, Kazakhstan, is the land of the Kazakhs. People have been laying claim to particular pieces of land since humans began experimenting with agriculture. Grow food on a particular spot and you suddenly need to stay put, to tend it and protect it from others. The ownership of land is about many other resources too, which we covered in our episode of that name. Ultimately, if you have access to valuable raw materials, it makes you and your people more likely to survive. But that in turn makes it attractive to other groups who might want to take it from you. But land in itself isn't just about resources or a fight for survival. As the centuries swept by and civilizations, societies grew more sophisticated, land also became a sign of wealth and prestige. And if someone robs you of that land, or your inheritance of it, it can and has caused violent dynastic disputes, lasting decades and longer. It's also been one of the primary drivers of history's empire-building, in a junior-school-esque, my-empire-is-bigger-than-yours kind of way. Sometimes, we just want to be the biggest. I can almost feel Texans nodding. And there's one final use for land, which caused one of the largest and most devastating invasions of history, Operation Barbarossa. Hitler had several reasons for launching Nazi Germany's Blitzkrieg into the Soviet Union in June 1941, including his belief that Nazism would have to face down what he called Jewish Bolshevism sooner or later, so why not now? shortly after Stalin had purged his officer class of its best men. But the leading cause for the gargantuan invasion was making real the Nazi party's ideological mission of Lebensraum, living space for the German people. Hitler wanted ethnically pure Germans to spread onto the vast Russian steppe, to multiply and prosper creating an Aryan master race in a new and more impressive Reich. The Germany of the 1930s, crammed into Central Europe and hemmed in between France, Poland, the Baltic and the Alps, just wouldn't do. So let's look at this issue of land in our fifth episode of the Bite Size Battles podcast series, Why We Fight. Stalin had been asleep, metaphorically speaking, for months. Ever since the fall of France a year earlier, Germany had been planning for war with the Soviet Union. In fact, even as early as 1925, Hitler had made clear in Mein Kampf that he would invade the Soviet Union. The stated aim? Lebensraum. The massive German military build-up on the border Didn't convince Stalin of the truth. Nor could Britain and the US. Nor even could his own spies. It was only when three million German troops and 3,000 tanks crashed across the Soviet frontier that he finally woke up. He had utterly failed to grasp the lure of the vast Russian steppes to Hitler's idea of an expanded German Reich. Western or European Russia, that is Russia west of the Urals, covers just shy of 4 million square kilometres. That makes it larger than India, and it alone comprises 40% of what we consider to be the entire continent of Europe. But as we know, the Lebensraum of Western Russia lured Nazi Germany to its death. They had assaulted Russia with fury and received fury in return. On this one front alone in World War II, 30 million people died for Hitler's dream of Lebensraum, his psychotic ideology and his quest for German autarky. Let's go back in time for another example of Land's influence on the history of conflict. In medieval Europe, the Hundred Years' War between England and France was driven by the control of dynastic land. Ever since the Norman conquest of England in 1066 and the subsequent intermarriage of English and French noble houses, English kings held large areas of France as dukes. So the King of England, Edward III, was also the Duke of Aquitaine, in southwest France. These lands were considered dynastic birthrights. My grandfather's grandfather owned it, so I do too. That meant, though, that the kings of England had to pay homage to the kings of France for Aquitaine. And you can imagine how the kings of England felt about that. So, in 1337. Edward III wanted independent possession of Aquitaine, and he also decided that he wanted to throw in the whole French crown for himself, too. Even here, it was about dynastic dispute. As the closest relative to the last Capetian king of France, Edward viewed the whole land of France as his too. To give a sense of the importance of land in this dispute, we have to mention that nation-states as we understand them today didn't exist in the 14th century. There were no national flags or anthems, just the emblems and crests and banners of the great families or dynasties. Entrenched in feudalism, society, politics and land revolved around these dynasties. Most people lived their lives on land owned by a wealthy nobleman. This land was known as a fife and was almost a kingdom in its own right, with its own laws and customs. This nobleman then might owe allegiance to a monarch, and all of that monarch's fiefs would be known as, let's say, France. But it was royal crown territory of a collection of fiefs rather than a proper nation. So what Edward III wanted in 1337 was direct control of the Fife of Aquitaine, and then of all the other fiefs of the Crown of France too. Absolutely this was about ego, prestige, wealth and power, but at the end of the day, what gave you all those things was land, land and more land. Ultimately, it led to a series of wars over more than a hundred years, which saw two immensely powerful dynasties go head-to-head. After a longbow-fuelled start with stunning victories at Poitiers, Cressy, and Agincourt, England then suffered defeats to Joan of Arc and was eventually pushed out of France altogether by 1453. One of today's enduring disputes over land is in the Indian subcontinent. In 1948, the two newly independent countries of Pakistan and India fought a war for control of Kashmir. War broke out again in 1965 and for a third time in 1999. The roots of the conflict are partly religious and go back to the partition of Muslim Pakistan from Hindu India following the end of British rule. Kashmir is claimed by both because its religious heritage is mixed, and neither side is willing to back down. And so, here is another reason we go to war over land. Because we see in land, in places we occupy, a history of our people, our culture, or our religion. It's the idea of a home, rather than simply a place. And what would you not do, to protect your home. I once watched a house be demolished so another, newer and more modern house could be put in its place. It was taken apart over a few days and as I watched it come down I realised it wasn't just the roof and the windows and the bricks that were being removed. It was all the stories of that place too. As soon as people had lived there, brought children up, cried, laughed and played there. It became a home and not just a building on a piece of land. It had a history. It had stories to tell. And so it is too with land. As soon as a group or a people make a place their home, they farm it, fight for it, improve it, mourn and celebrate in it. It's not just any old land anymore, it's your heritage, the story of your people, your home. And so, if other people threaten that home, to take it away, make it theirs, or destroy it, they destroy your history and heritage too. And that's a powerful motivator to fight, if ever there was one. There are hundreds of other territorial disputes that remain today, in Taiwan, the Falkland Islands, Crimea and even several places between Canada and the United States. Even the previously international regions of the Arctic and Antarctica are becoming militarised in a sad spectacle of the next who-owns-what. Incredibly. It even looks like the moon could be the future's next territorial dispute. The Outer Space Treaty of 1967 says that no nation can own extraterrestrial real estate and prohibits military activities on celestial bodies. But with the increasing militarization of space and the number of corporations looking at the possibilities of mining the moon in the future, it seems it may only be a matter of time before space-bound territory becomes a new battleground. Because, whether it's for living space, resources, religion, culture, power, wealth, or simply your home, humans like to fight over land. Join us next time for an episode which covers some of the most inspirational fights of world history. The fights for freedom. Whether it's from colonial powers, military occupation or an awakening of national consciousness, freedom has been an irresistible incentive for why we fight countless times. I'm Andrew McKenzie and I'll see you then for our exploration of people's urge to be free. Thanks for listening. See you then.